You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Janelle Davison. Dr. Davison is the owner and CEO of Brilliant Eyes Vision Center in Smyrna, Georgia, and she's the owner and clinical director of Visionary Dry Eye Institute. She's also the chief visionary officer at Paradigm Software, a web-based retail optical solution, and the co-founder of SCORE, Inc., a nonprofit organization that works to provide tools, skills, and guidance in education, careers, and life to young women of color who are interested in healthcare. I'm looking forward to a conversation about how you have continually expanded your role. That's not always easy to do. So thank you for making the time, Dr. Davison. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How is it that you were able to keep expanding your your bandwidth? I mean, you started quite traditionally, conventionally almost, with, with a solo practice. Expanding the bandwidth just takes, you know, vision. I'm big about every year I sit down at the end of the year, usually December, I get a new calendar for the year the year coming up. And I like big, thick planners and calendars. I'm a planner. So I love planners all through high school and college. I always had a planner. And so I still keep that, um, that little tradition. So I get a new planner. Um, right now I use one that um, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, actually one of my sorority sisters, she makes planners and it has goal setting in there, scripture. So it's a whole thing. And so I go in there and I write down what I want to do that year. I just write it down. And then each month I go through and I list what I have to do, what I plan to do. Each day I'm writing down what I need to do. And at the end of the day, I try to go back and look and see what I, what I was able to accomplish and check off. There's some days I'm checking off a lot of stuff off my list. And there's some days where I'm like, wow, I got nothing done today. And so I take a look and see what I can move to the next day or certain things that realistically I put on a day that then they need three or four days to, to actually do that I'll add it to another day. And then that way, every time I go open my planner, usually my goals for that year are at the beginning of the planner. So I'm constantly seeing those each month as I open up to go to the next month. And then some years I hit all my goals on there. Mm-hmm. And then some years I may get one as I write them, you know, some of them on top of my head are my priorities. Like I really, this would be really cool to do. Um, and so that way, if I write it down, if I say, if you have a vision, you write it down and then they'll force you to kind of be accountable and try to do some of the work that's going to allow you to have those visions or those dreams come to reality. So I do that same thing with practice, with my kids, trips I need to get better about. I don't do that for trips. My sister's really good about planning out trips. I kind of am last minute on that. So usually my trips, I'm done paying way more than I need to pay. <laughs> so I'm last minute on that. I just, I'm really big on planning and that allows me to expand my bandwidth and then be okay with, I if I don't reach all my goals, those are mm-hmm. what they are, they're goals. Um, so you may not hit all of them. And then some of the new goals may get added as the year goes on. So setting these big goals, especially the, the, the big ones, takes confidence, right? To say, this is something that I'm going to be able to, to handle in the next year. Do you suffer from imposter syndrome or have you ever? I think we all do. You know, we all kind of revert back to that kid in high school or middle school. Um, I do it frequently. You know, I'll be somewhere and I'm just like, wait a minute. And I'll start second guessing myself and I have to remind myself, you deserve to be here. You wouldn't be here if you weren't qualified. 
Um, and then there's sometimes where it's a new experience where the qualifications, you may be on the lower end of it, but somebody saw something in you. And mm -hmm. so I think we all experience some of that imposter syndrome where we kind of revert back to those older years. But I usually try not to let myself get into my own head. You know, mm -hmm. I try to, I was really good about when I was in um, optometry school, having affirmations, positive words of thought that are always around me where I'm writing them down myself or I have them posted on my mirrors. And so I kind of try to revert back to some of those things I did in my early 20s. Um, because imposter syndrome can come at any point. I'm in my mid forties and I'll still sometimes sit there and say, wait a minute, what am I doing? You know, am I supposed to be here? You know, I don't look like everybody or I don't sound like everybody, but I have to remind myself that I've worked hard. I've put in the time. And so the fruits of my labor are starting to come to fruition. And sometimes they come years after the fact. And so you're wondering that it's like, well, how do I get here? But you forget about all the work you did three, four years prior that now it's ready for harvest. So I, I, pretty much all of us have, anybody at any level experienced some imposter syndrome. I have to think that in a way your, your goal setting journal might even help with that. I mean, you can kind of flip back and say, oh, boom, 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 I did all that. That and I am really big on um, knowing that it takes work to get where you wanna be. And so, so, so for instance, I use an example, 2018, I was awarded 40 under 40 at my institution, Xavier University in Louisiana. And I set a goal years prior to, I was nominated by somebody and I didn't win that year. So I was nominated, but I didn't win. And I said, well, I wanna be 40 under 40. And I said, well, that's a goal of mine, but I just didn't put a goal out there and didn't think that I needed to do something. So what I did is I went and I evaluated all the winners, right? Looked at the winners and saw, and literally said, what do they have that I don't have? Right. Mm -hmm. What am I missing in my my portfolio that made me not as competitive to be I could be nominated because anybody can nominate me. So I mean, somebody out there thought I was doing something great, but not enough where the judges thought I was enough to make it to the next tier to actually win. So I went and studied those individuals and I found things that was there were gaps, things that were missing. I saw a, a trend that each one of these individuals had that I was like, well, those are some of the things that I want to do as myself. For instance, one of them all were big in philanthropy. I want to do philanthropy. I wanted to have a nonprofit foundation, but I didn't have the, the push to do it. So the right. push was, well, that's one of the common themes that if you're looking to be 40 under 40, then you need to step out of the box and figure out how you're going to bring philanthropy into your workspace and it's part of your legacy. So that helped me develop Score Inc. So I worked hard, worked hard. About three years later, somebody else had not nominated me again. And uh -huh. then I end up winning that time. But right. I say that to say is that you it's good to have goals and dreams, but you also have to be realistic because a lot of times some of these goals require work and you need to study individuals that are at the levels that you want to be at and see where you're falling short and reach out to whoever you need to reach out to, study whatever you need to study open whatever you need to open so that way you can continue to make yourself just as competitive as these individuals. So yes, when you finally get there, you can mind yourself, I actually did the work. So get back imposter syndrome because I did the work to be here. That's great. What has been sort of the motivation to create some of these opportunities for yourself? 40 under 40 is, is fabulous recognition and congratulations on that. That's, that's obviously huge. But what drives you to do that? Several reasons. One, as a private practitioner, solo OD, you have to have a presence in the community. I mean, in reality, there's eye doctors everywhere. What, but what sets me apart with other eye doctors in the metro Atlanta area? One is 
other than doing eye exams, what else am I doing for the community? How am I giving back? And certain platforms like that list what you've done to give back to the community in addition to being an awesome eye doctor. And as I get older, I always tell my kids and family members and friends, I don't want to be known just for being an optometrist. How did I impact either the optometric industry? How did mm -hmm. I impact my community? How did I impact my family? And these different things, these, these awards, a lot of times you have to do work to get those awards. People usually just don't get awards to get them. They have a litany of things that they've done. And so if you model after some of these people and some of your goals is to have a huge impact, to be awarded these things, you have to make an impact. And so it makes it a little bit easier for you to have a blueprint for yourself of things that you can do to make an impact in either your career, your community, and or your family. So my goal is I want to have a legacy. I don't want to just be known in my obituary. She was a great eye doctor. She was a great refractionist. Or even she was a great dry eye specialist. How did she impact her community? So that's finding a seat at the table, really. I mean, you, you have to decide which table you want to sit at and and how you get from the, the sort of the circle around it to, to actually sitting there. What is it that you want to be known for? I want to be known for a compassionate, caring, innovative visionary. I always say if I wasn't an eye doctor, I could see I've been on some boards uh, and I'm like, oh man, I could have probably been good in corporate America, like a CEO or something like that. Because sometimes like my husband, we always say, well, make it make sense. I'm kind of like the visionary where I have these big mm -hmm. visions, these dreams, and I can see things usually sometimes years ahead or six months ahead that other people may not see. It's just the smallest little thing that I'll pick up on and I can have an idea, even certain businesses that a business that will be around a year later versus not, it'll be the smallest little thing. I want to be able to harness that vision, that ability, and be able to pull back. And like I do a lot with mentees, and I mentee a lot of students to be able to harness because everybody has a vision, but a lot of people are scared to actually step out or verbalize or, you know, make their vision plain because people will sometimes look at them like they're crazy. Because a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, my whole family will say, uh, make this make sense. How is this going to add up? <laughs> make it make sense and so it's like I'm, right now I don't know how to get all the pieces to fall in line but this is what I see and this is where I need to go and as I start to move the pieces will align it's kind of hard to word all of that but I just want to be known as somebody that made an impact that really cared about my community usually you know what you see now as 40 plus mid 40 Janelle is the same Janelle as I was as 12 you can ask my mom she'll say the same thing I was volunteering at hospitals children's hospitals I was always making an impact, doing things that other kids didn't necessarily do. And I just keep that going as an adult. Why is it important to have your voice heard in these different communities? And maybe the bigger question is, what exactly is your community? My community is as broad as everybody. Um, I like to be of service. And so patient bases, mostly of people of color. But I have everybody that comes to see me. You know, um, I, I vividly have patients that will say, Thank you for being receptive and encouraging to the LGBT community. And I would say, well, why would somebody not want to see you because of who you choose to love? And they would say, doctor, you'll be surprised. Back doing uh, not too long after 9-11, early, mid-2000s, I would have Muslim patients say, doctor, thank you for being compassionate. You'll be surprised of doctors who would treat me a certain way just because I'm Muslim. As a person, I just never can fathom why somebody would treat somebody different just because of something, even though most of my life I've lived that because of what I've looked like or um, that I don't have a certain thing between my legs. I catch it. I get it both ways sometimes. And so it's still really hard for me to fathom that people 
may have an issue with someone just because of either their race, religion, who they choose to love. And so I want to be known as somebody who treats everybody. So my husband laughed. All my patients swear they're my homegirl, my homeboy. No matter what they look like, they come in and they're like, oh, you know, Dr. Davis, they're giving me a hug. I'm laughing in the room. And my husband is like, well, how do you know them? I'm like, oh, they're a patient. He goes, well, no, no, no. Before that, I'm like, no, I know them because they're a patient. And sometimes it's their first exam. And he's just like, you guys are in there just cackling. And you would think you know that person. So really genuine and everybody is my community. If you love people, then you're a part of my community. If you're someone who likes to be judgmental, biased, or prejudiced, I'm still going to love you, but you may not be a part of my community. People in my community love people and love people to be who they are. And everybody just wants to have good quality service and eye care. And in 2024, I really shouldn't have anybody coming in to me saying, Doc, thank you for taking care of my eyes. Doc, you will be surprised what other healthcare professionals do because of what I look like, who I choose to love, or if I'm a female. And so I just want to be known for loving and taking care of everybody. And then you have this whole community of, of young women as well who are who are looking up to you. SCORE Inc. Um, is my nonprofit that I follow my younger sister who is also in the healthcare industry. She's a practicing dentist. We both are involved in the community in our respective communities in Atlanta and North Carolina, where she is. We will have students who want to shadow or um, intern with us. I did a lot with the school system in the county that my um, practice is in. And we wanted to be able to expand that to more girls who weren't necessarily in those specific school districts. And so it just allows them to be exposed to um, eye care, specifically optometry. In some cases, ophthalmology, I've had girls be able to shadow ophthalmologists and dentists mm -hmm. under her, the shadow dentist. And just being able to show young girls who have an interest in healthcare, the entrepreneur aspect of it, pretty much everybody they shadow, we're, we're moms, we're heavily involved in the community, just to show that it you can, it's, it's a nice juggling act. I wouldn't say balancing, because sometimes it looks like you're juggling very heavy, big things. <laughs> <laughs> but just so they can see that, that it's possible. My mom, her generation was women were just really starting to work. And if they did work, you know, my mom didn't go back to work till I was 12. She's a retired educator. But for the first 12 years of my life, she didn't work. And then her mom didn't work at all. And so she looks at my sister and I, and she's like, wow, how are you guys able to do this? You're going to have kids and you're doing this and you're doing that. So it's important for younger girls to see you can have a healthy, balanced career. And there's other things that you want to do. You're, you're able to do that as well. Being a woman in the workforce doesn't look like it did necessarily 50, 60 years ago. So it's important for young girls to be able to see that. So that's what we try to do. Is it worth the struggle to have your voice be heard? If you want your voice heard, yes. Some people, they're okay. Some people like to be in the background. And I would say in that case, if you know you're a background person, then no, it's not worth the struggle. But if you want your voice to be heard and you think what you have to say matters and is impactful, then anything that's worth having usually there's a struggle i definitely think it's worth it and it's okay if you're a person who likes to be in the background and you're not necessarily gunning to have your voice heard you work more by doing that's fine too because i don't want anybody to think that they have to get into certain situations that they're not comfortable with in order to their voice to be heard there's other ways that you can get your voice across and be impactful but not maybe doing it at the level that i'm doing it true because it's not an all or nothing proposition mm -hmm. i mean you can choose to have your voice be heard in 
in your patient community or exactly. in your, you know in your PTA or decide mm-hmm. <laughs> to to make that uh, that impact. Any advice for how to prioritize those those kinds of things? Because you've you've obviously had to make choices, and and I'm sure that there's some ideas, some some businesses that you didn't start. You know? Oh yeah. Or they failed. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I mean, and that's okay. I've had like an online optical. Like sometimes I do things too early. So I used to have an online mm-hmm. optical. It failed. I did my own frame line. So I just took it from the online optical into my office. And so, yeah, it's fine. That's why you write things down. Like there's some goals I've written down that I've never reached, at least not now. And maybe it's because it's not time for me to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. And so a goal is what it is. It's a goal. You can set a timeline on it. But then sometimes you have to be careful with that because if you set it in a year and it doesn't happen in a year, well, are you going to be okay with that? Or, you know, and Mm so um, there, of course, there's things that I didn't reach. Um, There's things I've had to say no to. There's things that in the middle of I had to pivot from. I'm getting a lot better at that now where pivoting quick. um, If it doesn't smell good and it doesn't look good, then go the other way, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm because sometimes as you get to certain levels, you have so many people pulling at your coattails that would kind of pull you away from your goals and you have to be okay with that. So I would just say it's okay to have your voice heard, pick the setting, any setting is fine, write down your goals, but it's okay at the end of the year, if you only made one out of those three goals, or if you didn't make a goal at all, maybe it just wasn't that time for that goal to be reached. Did you have to learn how to say no? Yes. And I'm still learning how to say no. And and now I'm getting better at um, just knowing what my ultimate goal is and my vision and how does that align? That's the hardest thing because a lot of people will start to reach out to you and say, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. And then you before you know, you're pulled in so many directions. So you really have to see, does every seat align with the the table I eventually want to be at? Right. Right. So every table I don't need to sit at. And that's fine. In doing this, you've clearly amplified the voices of of other women, the people you've mentored, the people that you network with. Is that satisfying? I would say on a human level, yes, but I don't think about it like that because I don't set out to do it to be satisfied, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's hard. So I guess on a human level, yes. When I have someone that I would network with, I introduce them to someone and they was able to reach a goal they wanted to reach just from that connection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different word than satisfying. It just happened recently. And I was like, oh my God, I almost cried because I knew this person really wanted that goal. And she just happened to be t- mention it to me I happened to be in a setting and that person was doing something exactly what my colleague wanted to do. And I said, oh, you two should connect and just walked away from it and didn't know six months later that connection actually really turned out to be something very, very positive for um, one of my colleagues in the Metro Atlanta area. And she texted me and she wanted to take me out to dinner. And I'm like confused, like, why? And she was like, if it wasn't for that connection. So it wasn't like I felt satisfied. It was, it was a weird feeling. I don't even have a description for it just yet. But it's good to know that somebody else is reaching their goal. And even if I just had a small little part in that, then I, I guess overall, yes, it's satisfying. But I don't necessarily do it to set out to be satisfied. I, I think it's hard to recognize our, our own yeah. role in things when you're doing it. right? <laughs> yeah, things. definitely. Right. I mean, similarly, I'm sure that there's times where you've, you've um, you prescribed eyewear and you say, oh, that's going to make a big difference for that person. But you may not know just exactly how big a difference. Exactly. Until they come back. And I think Mm -hmm. that definitely does help when they kind of put those dots together, those pieces together. And, you know, because sometimes we're just writing scripts. We know this is going to be great. But when the person comes back and really says how it impacted their life, you're like, wow, 
Well, that's a, those, those are good little moments to, to keep in your pocket, too, for when yeah, imposter syndrome strikes. Dr. Davison, it's been such a pleasure of mine to watch how your career has expanded and unfurled and your reputation uh, grows in the industry over the years that I've known you. It's, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, too. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.